Webster's Dictionary defines compliance as the action or fact of complying with a wish or command. This is the Compliance Guy. The Compliance Guy. As a healthcare provider or healthcare professional, navigating the muddy waters of compliance can get tricky. And that's why we're here. Helping you mitigate risk while increasing your profitability. This is the Compliance Guy. Now, here's your host, Sean Weiss. All right. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this episode of The Compliance Guy. It is Wednesday, March 15th. And I want to start by, again, thanking each and every single one of you for tuning in, logging on, and just hanging out with me for a little while as I get to talk about my favorite topic of compliance. Well, yesterday, Tuesday, the 14th of March, I put a blog post out there on LinkedIn regarding a move that Cigna Healthcare has, in their infinite wisdom, decided to put into place. And that is a prepayment review for all providers billing 99212 through 99215 on the same day as a minor procedure and appending the modifier 25, which indicates a significant Separately identifiable evaluation and management service above and beyond the pre-service workup of the procedure. Now, I understand that over the years there's been a lot of concern with providers over utilization of the modifier 25. Uh, CMS insurance companies, of course, are structured on a pay and chase model, uh, which I think is absolutely stupid. Um, and if they would change the structure of how they function uh, instead of this pay and chase, I think we would cut down uh, on a significant number of the problems that exist on the post-payment side. But these are prepayment reviews. And if you recall back in 2022, United Healthcare and Anthem and some of the others out there pushed out a memo almost identical to what Cigna has pushed out, which leads me to believe that there's got to be some collusion between these insurance companies. Because it's just not a mere coincidence that their language from company to company is identical. But let's just say it's a coincidence. Here's the problem, and it's very simple. Every single time you provide a service to a beneficiary of Cigna, and that procedure is accompanied by an evaluation and management service and the modifier 25, you are going to have to fax to a dedicated line, and I know what some of you are thinking, and I'll get to it. But you're going to have to fax everything to a dedicated line with a cover sheet, your TIN, your AMI, the patient name, the date of service, and your documentation is going to have to clearly demonstrate a significant separately identifiable E&M service above and beyond that pre-service workup. Now, 
What constitutes significant and separately identifiable? Well, they tell us we don't have to have different diagnoses. So what it comes down to is a subjective review, most likely by a non-clinical reviewer. But here's the other problem. If they are asking every single provider who participates with Cigna Healthcare to submit via paper, through a fax, every single time for every single patient, that's going to be almost every single patient of every single day for podiatry practices, orthopedic practices, rheumatology practices, cardiology practices, neurology practices. I mean, think about how many times during the course of a day you provide a procedure to a patient. The patient may come in just for an evaluation, but hey, they need a therapeutic or diagnostic procedure. Here's the other problem that I don't think some of these geniuses that put out these memos are taking into consideration. There are federal laws on the book. Title 42. Subsection 447.45, timely claims payment. The Code of Federal Regulations puts into place under 447.45 that the section itself implements Section 1902A37 of the Act by specifying state plan requirements for timely processing of claims for payment, payment and po- uh, prepayment and postpayment claims review, conditions under which the administrator may grant waivers of the time requirements, and then they define what is a claim, right? It's a bill for service, a line item of service, or all services for one beneficiary within a bill. But then they further define, and this is where it's so critical, the term clean claim, which means one that can be processed without obtaining additional information from the provider of the service or from a third party. It includes a claim with errors, okay? Errors originating in a state's claim system. It does not include a claim from a provider who is under investigation for fraud or abuse or a claim under review for medical necessity. But there are also state laws on the book for processing of claims in a timely manner. Folks, this is, and I could hear the arguments now. Well, there is a request. No, this is a blanket memorandum that has come out that has said, We're not taking into consideration medical necessity or any of this other stuff. We're telling you prior to processing your claims, you're going to have to submit documentation. But they're not giving you any turnaround time on getting these claims adjudicated. And I'm telling you, what happens when you send stuff to a dedicated fax line at an insurance company or you mail things to them? They mysteriously disappear. 
leaving you to do what? Double your efforts to now have to resubmit all of this information again, only to receive an ERA down the road that says duplicate claim. I mean, come on. You've got to rise up with your voice. You have got to take this to your specialty societies. You have got to respond to these individuals at the insurance companies who are pushing out these unrealistic demands of medical practices and hospitals and health systems. Push back. Because the pushback that came last year in 2022 against United Healthcare and Aetna and Optum Health was enough to get them to rescind it. I think Aetna also did the same thing, if I'm not mistaken. Let me know. I may be wrong on that one, but I think they did. All right. So this was a real short and down to the point podcast for today as always i want to say thank you all so much for tuning in logging on and hanging out with me for just a little while i'll be back tomorrow with another episode of the compliance guy so until then remember be good to yourself but more importantly y'all be good to each other take care you've been listening to the compliance guy sean has been doing this for 28 years he holds 10 national board certifications. He's a partner and the vice president of compliance for Doctors Management, LLC. He's a subject matter expert in federal court. He's lectured at the most prestigious institutions. He's engaged with members of Congress in both chambers. So what we're saying is he's qualified? We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, you can find us on social media at The Compliance Guy. See you next time on The Compliance Guy.